We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 185. Our guest today has been an equestrian Instagram friend of mine for years now. We actually met at the Equestrian Businesswomen Summit in 2019, and then we have continued to communicate, collaborate, work together, and just brainstorm our businesses together, which brought a great topic to the forefront of our episode today. So without further ado, I would love to welcome co-founder of Equivant.com, Jessica DiCostanzo. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Bethany. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming on. We ta- I feel like we talk all the time and I'm like, how have you not been on the podcast yet? So I'm excited. I was actually thinking about that yesterday when I met you, like probably in 2018 at the Equestrian Business Building Conference. Yes. And I remember you gave a, a presentation on social media and I was like, we had just started Equivant and I, my like jaw dropped. I was like, this girl has got this figured out. And I'm <laughs> so grateful. I'm so grateful that we've been able to work together ever since then. So I thank know. You. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. Well, tell me a little bit, like take me back to when you first got into riding. What was that like for you? Oh man. Okay. So I, my parents I grew up in Texas when I was a little kid and my parents put me in every sport possible and uh I would I was not good at organized sports so like ran to third base first and t-ball scored in my own soccer ball soccer goal etc <laughs> stuff like that and then um, I took me for a pony ride at the Alamo in Texas and I rode this little white pony named Star probably when I was like four and then I would not shut up about horses ever since then <laughs> and they're like okay she cares about this and she's decent at it so by the time I was seven I was in you know a, a writing program consistently and have been ever since so cool I love it at what point, because obviously now you are heavily involved in the community and at many different facets, that's why I feel like we have a lot in common. So tell me a little bit about when you kind of knew that this was going, this industry was going to be a big part of your life and part of your career. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I grew up as a total barn rat. Uh, I would beg my mom to take me to the barn um, at eight o'clock in the morning during summer and not picking it until six o'clock at night. So I was always like asking my trainer, like, Hey, do any horses need to be groomed? I'd be making the jump courses, you know, out of bamboo sticks and muck picks and everything like that. So I was horse crazy basically from the time I started riding regularly at seven and then just kept asking the, the trainer, like, Hey, do you need help with this? Do you need help with that? I can lend a pony. I can do this. And so I was always like, if I got to ride a horse on top of that, that was like, you know, my day was made. I sing on the and then come, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, an extra pony. This is so cool. <laughs> um, and give my horse like 18 bubble baths with all the sparkles all over. And I just lived for being at the barn. 
And probably when I was uh, 16, I started riding professionally. I had a long kind of history with a, ho- a, a horse that was a problem. And I learned a lot of really solid horsemanship and foundational skills for training horses. So that horse would rear, take off, then bolt, et cetera. And he, you know, the horses that are the most difficult are the ones that teach you the most. So I was at a very public barn then where a lot of people saw me go through this struggle with my horse, working with a cowboy, spending six months in an uh, arena. And I had then gained some respect that I could stick on anything. And I, you know, had the foundations of putting a horse together and everything. So that same cowboy who helped me, I ended up working for his daughter and um, who's a hunter jumper trainer. And um, also a dressage trainer at the same time. And I like, I remember when I first got hired, I was like, ran home to my parents and was like, guys, I get to be paid for riding horses. Like, this is so cool. That's like yeah. everyone else getting paid for watching TV. This mm-hmm. is like the coolest thing ever. Yep. So like after that, I ditched a lot of school in all honesty, and it was always to go ride more horses. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would um, write myself like doctor's notes just because I wanted to ride a few more or be in a show or what have you. So it was kind of funny because I was always where I grew up, like I was like, okay, you need to go to college. And that was kind of the thing. And I was like, yeah, no problem. That will be my backup plan. I'll go to college and that will be my fallback because I'm going to be a horse trainer. That's it. Like I'm stoked on this. And um, going through college, the setup was much different. And I was doing a lot of like driving in between barns, make it work, going to school and also went to more of, you know, a party school. So I ended up like burning myself out and realizing like, okay, I'm riding 10 horses a day, doing all the grooming and everything. I'm driving around. I'm not actually being able to like be social and enjoy being a 20 something year old. And I was like, putting my horses at the end of the day. And I was like, okay, I big bartered and steal stole to, to buy a horse that I couldn't afford. And now I'm not even riding it. Something needs to change in my life. So once I graduated, I did do have my own training program and then was like, maybe I should make money elsewhere and then spend it on my horse. So that's when that shift happened. And I stepped into the marketing software world of working with a bunch of really passionate people that were all my age, but some were into Ironman and some were into surfing. So me having the horse thing was actually like still supported and whatnot, but that took me on the path of just riding my own horses for a a few years and just really enjoying the adult amateur life. And then, you know, we can't stay away for that long. I, a whole slew of things that happened in my life. I got kind of a tornado of bad things, not bad things, but unfortunate things got broken up with, got uh, laid off and got stung by thousands of bees, like in one week of each other. Oh my gosh. And, (laughs) And it was like the universe's way of being like, Hey, you actually don't know what you're doing. So let's just (laughs) like reshape what your plan is because you're not on the right track not so subtle hints at that sometimes you Mm -hmm. know just being like actually horses are still the most important thing let's get back on track Mm -hmm. because in that time of of riding you know riding one maybe two horses a day five days a week like very casually it wasn't that as fulfilling as you know working with 
courses and all of that. So, um, once all that happened, I was broken, like to the, I was taken down to ground zero. And I remember showing up at the barn, like crying <laughs> and, and my trainer at the time, Jennifer Wooten was like, what happened to you? I was like, everything, <laughs> everything. I'm so lost. I don't even know what to do. Like, will you please just give me horses to ride? And it was like, you know, putting my soul back on track of like, okay, I'll just ride some horses and just keep riding and working on myself. And then ended up moving back home to Orange County, which is where I am now in Southern California, and um, started writing for another friend and just still having my job in, in marketing software, but getting off and then writing five courses after work. And it just started building. And it was like, this is what I love to do. I was kind of chasing money to afford the horses before. And able to let go of that and, and understand that my currency is actually uh, horse time with horses or, you know, riding horses, that it's not actually like U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. That mindset has really shaped the way that I have now revolved my day. So in all of drama, I guess, it was really eye-opening because I was, I was going to move to Florida and I had already started researching you know, where I can keep my horse. And I wasn't going to be in like the super sexy horsey part of Florida. So I was asking people like, Hey, where do I keep my horse? Do you know of anything? What's the scoop here? And no one had any recommendations for me at that point. And so from my business development background in marketing software, I was like, I'll just hop online and research. And all I found were these directories that looked like they were made in the nineties and hadn't been up there. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like scratching my head, but this can't be it. Like, how can I not find any information on horses? This is crazy. And in conjunction at the same time, I got hired by a business that that makes marketplace software. So my job becomes coaching and selling entrepreneurs on how to run their marketplace. And having all of the stuff that had just happened, I was like, wait a second, this is exactly what we need in the horse industry. We need one place where you can go find services, you can find products, you can find horses for sale all in one spot. So I guess the the hot mess and windy way of my <laughs> of my life has led me to a point where my life literally revolves around horses all day, every day. I've got the Equivalent side with my business partner, Jackie. And then in the afternoon, I go off and I train and ride horses. And it's absolutely amazing I wouldn't change it for anything in my whole life I I'm, I'm super stoked on that oh that's so cool I love it at what point did you quit your desk job probably right before I met you so August of 2018 I quit my desk job quit my desk oh my gosh desk job Jackie <laughs> <laughs> um, had already uh started Equivalent before that and I just wasn't devoting enough time to Equivalent to make it do what we wanted it to do. And pretty easy for us to, I'm at like um, optimistic to a T, I think. I mean, to a full is what I meant, where, you know, it kind of blinds me sometimes with my optimism. And it just, I wasn't dedicating the time to Equivalent that it needed. And it was like, okay, like, we got to do this or be done with it. And that's when the decision to just go all in on Equivalent happen. 
What was the shift that the two of you took to go from, you know, like where you were at with Equivant to then taking it to that next level? What were some, I guess, like business changes that you set up for yourself? I think organizing the workload, who's focusing on what. We Luckily, Jackie and I had already worked together at a previous company. We actually met riding horses. She was an assistant trainer at a barn that I had a horse at. And then... And then she was a little bit wavering on her path, which I was like, hey, I've been there before, like burning yourself out on the horses. And, you know, when you're young and dumb, you make poor business decisions. So I was like, hey, try it my way, like make money elsewhere. And then you can ride your horse after. So her and I have ping pong back and forth from being amateurs and professionals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I was like, hey, come work for this company and try it out. And so we were on the same team, already figured out that we worked really well together in a non-horse environment, and then would go for trail rides after work and be able to catch up on everything. So we knew that we already had a really great working relationship, which made it a lot I wouldn't say easier, but made it more flowy for when we made that transition to our own business. Yeah, definitely seems like you guys work together very seamlessly. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, like any relationship, we've had, you know, times where we uh, get along great and we've had our, our disagreements, but that's just part of relationships and business as a whole. And, you know, and and the uncomfortable conversations that have to take place in a business always make the relationship and partnership better um, in the long term. Yep, absolutely. So let's unpack Equivant a little bit, because I think what maybe if people aren't super familiar, if they haven't used Equivant or have been on your website... You offer so much. So let's talk a little bit about it. From when you started with the idea of trying to kind of fill that void in the industry to be able to have a space where people could go to get information. And now you offer like products and services and helping with the business side. Tell me a little bit, give me a little rundown for those um, listening who haven't been on Equivant.com of all the things that you offer and what they can find. Yeah, absolutely. So our goal is to make it easy for equestrians to find whatever it is they're looking for. And it really came out of selfish needs. (laughs) I got sick of, you know, going here for boots and then going here for supplements and going here to go horse shopping, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt like I was patchworking and Jackie felt the same way, patchworking all of the equestrian things together. And none of it was awesome. So what we've been really working on is making sure that we work with reputable service providers. And and that is trainers, farriers, business services, whatever an equestrian or an equestrian with an equestrian business would need for them or their horse. And then also having the products there. So we've got stable supplies, grooming supplies, tack, equipment, anything that you could think that you would need for your horse or yourself, uh, apparel as well. If it's not there, tell me and I'll make it happen. <laughs> and then um, including the horses for sale, I think was was a great business move as well as usefulness to the site because we all like to look at pretty horses. And oftentimes, I think what I've also noticed is there's not there's a lot of crossover between eventing, dressage, and hunter jumper. And I personally am a 
guilty of all of those disciplines. (laughs) (laughs) So having, you know, the horses that cross over because the products obviously cross over between those things and so do the services. So making sure that you can actually go to one place online and find whatever you need has been the goal from the beginning. How do you, and this is something that I get asked a lot, being multi-passionate within the industry, and I, I think it's we're both unique in the sense that we are trainers, um, and we also do another, we have another business, you know, apart from that, so within the industry. So how do you juggle it all? Is it based on, like, do you keep yourself to a really specific schedule? Does every day kind of look the same? Obviously with horses, you have a plan and it just kind of always goes out the window. So how do you kind of work through all of that? This is why I always love talking with you too. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's, you have like two very similar, but very different businesses mm-hmm. and it's taken. I mean, I iterate on it constantly. I do have not perfected it by any means, but what I figure out works best for me is if I sit at my desk, sit at my computer early in the morning and work however long I need to, but I'm, can chug my coffee. I can chug my water. I'm like really laser focused in the morning. And then the afternoon, if I was working at, you know, a more corporate job, if you will, dying to stay awake, slapping myself at my desk, like, oh my gosh, come on. Oh my gosh, you can do it. Like getting up, trying to walk and like snap out of that, like, you know, three o'clock feeling. And instead now I go and ride and I'm like, woohoo, now I get to go ride horses. So this is like, ignites the rest of my day whereas before I was like man if I could only have a nap in the middle of the day or like you know a shot of adrenaline to keep me going it works so much better when I ride in the afternoon and then I feel like I have a good handle on Equifax if I do the reverse if I try and ride in the morning I'm anxious I'm like I should be at my desk should be at my desk I should be at my desk so then I'm not like as present with the horses which we all know is a terrible place to be yeah and then when I get home I'm like exhausted because I've just been riding all morning (laughs) and then I'm okay I'm gonna take a quick nap we need lunch we need to like do the laundry we need like yeah (laughs) exactly exactly you get it that's so smart because I I am kind of always like playing and tweaking with my my order of go with my day because I do find that there are sometimes I'm working on a project with my equestrian style or the podcast that I'm super excited about. So I'm like, if, if I'm doing that at 5 p.m., like fine, but because I'm like super excited or I have a specific deadline. But like normal flow, I am, I'm definitely a morning person and I'm so much more productive in the morning and I'm definitely like looking at the clock at, in the afternoon and like I think yeah. three hours goes by and it's been like 20 minutes but that's that's yeah. I definitely feel the same way so doing the things that maybe are not the most exciting but I know I need you know really like laser focus that and I will tend to get less motivated to go to the gym as the day goes on so I try to like mm-hmm get that out of the way in the morning. And then, but I do, I have found that a very similar flow as you, where I am in the office doing stuff in the morning and then doing barn stuff in the afternoon um, works because I mean, especially with, with horses, I kind of like working with them in the afternoon as long as it's not super hot out. 
but then that way they've like had their breakfast, they've had their turnout time, they can chill a little bit. And if you kind of set up a plan where you're, where you're going every afternoon anyways, I think the horses kind of like that routine. I agree. And, and I think for you, the same, you teach a few students or amateurs. So afternoon just tends to work for mm-hmm. everyone better yep. in the afternoon. And it's like, I can't split up my day to, for me to ride my own horse in the morning and then teach in the afternoon. Cause then you're driving back and forth. I work from my kitchen table, which is yeah. where you guys are seeing me right now. Yeah. Um, and the barn's only 10 minutes away, but if you can stack your day, I've, I've had a lot more success than it sounds like you have too. Definitely. I've definitely played with riding in the morning and then going back and working at home and then going back again to teach lessons. And it, do, it just kind of does eat at your day a lot. So yeah, yeah I think that that's, that's good advice for sure. I don't know about you, but I think I spend more time focusing on my animal's nutrition than my own. Since 1985, with roots dating back to 1842, Mana Pro has been committed to providing high-quality, nutritionally wholesome feeds, supplements, and treats for your animals. As a company comprised of animal lovers just like us, Mana Pro understands the desire to provide your animals with the very best. Their passion is happy, healthy pets, and they are the trust partner in providing just that. If you haven't checked out ManaPro before, make sure you do. Their website is manapro.com, M-A-N-N-A-P-R-O.com. I get all of my treats there. My horses absolutely love them, but they have other stuff for other animals, not just for horses. So make sure you go check them out. They are absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, ManaPro. All right, let's get back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about an area of this industry that you are really passionate about, that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Well, this is my favorite topic because what you and I always talk about when we do catch up is how we can help each other and having that community over competition uh mentality and I know it's super easy to do I mean we're in a competitive sport at the end of the day right like we're all trying to go get a blue ribbon or at least feel good about a ride and I think it's really easy for businesses and people and riders you know what have you whatever you are to to judge really quickly and to make up things to make themselves feel better And like the way more awesome way for for me to go about it is to be like, hey, let's work together. Let's figure out how this can all work. And then it's a a positive, you know, engagement. And we're we're both growing together in that sense. And I'm using you and I as the example because that's what happens. And I think there's a lot of value in collaborating with people in similar situations. And you and I can always, you know, swap stories on, you know, barn versus marketing life. And it, and every time I talk to you, I get a new idea. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's, okay, yeah, I can do that. And, and I hope it's, it goes both ways. So that's the part where it's easy. I guess it's easy to, to judge and just shut people out. But when you open up and you're vulnerable, vulnerable, and you share, you know, what's working and what's not, that helps 
both of your businesses or both of you as writers or whatever that instance may be. And I know there's like, you know, this is like a trending topic to be nice to one another, but it, it takes every day, every minute to actually consciously be aware of the choices that you're making and how you're treating people, whether that be to their face, you telling them or you having the self-talk to yourself, like, well, I don't like the way they X, Y, and Z. Um, catching yourself and being like, oh, well, you know what? They're a really nice person and they've got clean tack and, you know, whatever it may be. And just flipping that, I think it starts with flipping the self-talk in your head of how you judge people. And then that will start to come outwards and seeing how you can help each other rather than hurt each other. Yeah. Something that I feel like, and it definitely stems in all areas of our industry with like riding and training aspect all the way through to business. But as far as the riding, I mean, you're right. We get so caught up and where our sport is judged on, you know, getting docked off of the things that we aren't doing well. And so I think that mentality of, people being quick to judge is so prevalent. And then, so there's that. And then there's also the aspect and I've talked with, I think this, this is something that Carl Cook is really passionate about when I had him on the podcast to talk about um, just the lack of data that our sport has so that it really affects how professionals go about doing their program and how pretty much Every program that you see, even in, at the top, top of our sport, does things completely differently from the next. So it really kind of harbors an environment where if a program isn't doing something that's exactly the same as yours, which they're not going to, that it's considered less than or you know not as good or they're not doing things correctly. So I think that that's definitely something that we always need to be mindful of, that whether it is someone, you know, another program not doing things the same way, or, um, you know, if there's anything, you know, jealousy or resentment or anything, it's such a small community where like everyone knows everyone that um, looking at that as, you know what, they're making it work for them and their situation. Also, I don't know their whole situation, you know, and so really kind of understanding that and um, choosing to find, like what you were saying, find the things that they are doing well, maybe, or the things that you see, you know, their tack is clean and focusing on the positives and uh, choosing to be kind instead of focusing on what you may see as a negative in your opinion. So yeah, I think that that's a huge point. And then for business, I think that, you know, there are, there's, while you and I do very different things, there still is some overlap and we are equestrian businesswomen. And so I think that, that there is sometimes that stigma of like, you want to keep your cards close and you want to, you know, not give everyone the, the keys to the kingdom or, you know, as far as your strategy goes. But I have found that working with equestrian businesswomen like yourself, it's, it's only like only ever good has come from, from those relationships. And I always like to remind myself, even if someone is doing the exact same posts as me, brand strategy as me, trying to copy every single thing about me, they're not me. And I, I hope that other people can think that way too, that you're going to have people who are either trying to recreate what you do or, or, you know, try to like, do things like that. But if you can just rest in the idea that everyone is going to do things differently and have their own spin on things, it really makes you view your quote unquote competition so differently. And with, with 
I feel like less defenses. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, it's so easy to, I mean, the, the old thing is the ultimate sign of flattery is a replication and it's so true. And yeah. And to your point, like, yeah, someone could start and do Equivalent tomorrow. Like, good luck. I wish you the best. It's, it's hard work. Same with your business. It's really hard work and it's not going to be the same, no matter if they, you know, post exactly the same as you do a podcast, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's not going to be, it's impossible. It's like training a horse. It's impossible. You know, right. they're all a little bit different. Right. They all teach us something different. And we're, you know, we're artists at the end of this as, as trainers, as business people. And so there's not going to be any, no two are alike in this scenario and having that compassion and understanding because you don't know what someone's situation is, um, whether that be the care for their horse or, you know, how they run their barn, anything like that. I, I actually um, bring it back to Carl Cook. I'm a big fan of walking and talking. I like can't help myself, but watch them all. Yeah. And he was just talking about, you know, if we're talking about, you know, clean, mucking a stall, I haven't done that in years. And, you know, I feed my horse the best I can that day. And then the horse changes and then I'm going to change my program. And it's, it's a constant flow of figuring out what works best for you and your horse at that particular time. And no one else knows what you were doing before except for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, heaven forbid, we continue learning in our sport. Like, it's just like, it's like, it's so funny because there's that stigma that you, if you're a professional, like you have to, you have to know everything and you have to understand everything and be up to date on everything. And that's just not the reality of it. And I say this all the time, but talking to top professionals who have been in the industry for decades and decades will still say they have so much to learn. And I think that that should be seen as a positive and not something that people feel like they have to hide from either clients or peers or colleagues or things like that, that we're constantly changing up how we do things. And I think that's the only way that you can grow. And that's for lots of um, different things in the rest of the world. So for a sport that is constantly changing and that one of the biggest dynamics is that we're working with living, breathing animals that don't speak English. It's just, yeah, you got, you got to be able to make those changes and and be flexible. And on that point, there's huge value in the vulnerability there too. And my boyfriend has taught me this and been okay with saying, I don't know. I don't know. Let me figure that out. And then when you, when you claim what you don't know, (laughs) or I'm not sure, let me get back to you. You actually gain a lot more respect from people and you're giving yourself the opportunity to learn something new as well. And that's the last thing that most people want to do is say, you don't know, especially if you're, you know, a professional of any kind, you want to be the expert. And you can be an expert and still not know, but but being a, a great horseman, going back to Carl Cook's thing, is an evolving process every single day. And you have to be open and willing to learn and figure out a way to make things better every minute that you're with a horse. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that within our sport, you automatically set yourself apart if you have the self-confidence and the guts even to do like to say I don't know especially to clients or to those you look up to or people you work alongside to just be able to 
verbalize that, I think is a big move. Tell me a little bit about what Equivant is going to look like for you in this next year. And then also for those listening who are in the industry in one capacity or the other, how do you feel like, I mean, obviously like we got in touch, I feel like through the um, business summit, but otherwise I feel we keep in contact over Instagram and things like that. But what would be your best advice for someone listening who's looking to kind of learn and grow within the industry, but also to find a community of their own within the industry to um, kind of create that collaboration and just um, different, to be able to share ideas and kind of create that community within the industry? You know, I think the, the first step is starting, which sounds um, so simple, but uh, if you if you ask for help, people will give it to you. And if you're just saying, hey, I don't know about this, anyone that I've ever seen on the Equivalent front, um, I'm responsible for the recruiting of businesses to be on the site. And, you know, it's like basically like knocking door to door, like like a, I'm selling whatever, you know, old school sales. And sometimes people are going to, not, you know, you caught them on a bad day. You can't predict anyone else's day. Sometimes people are going to be rude or short or whatever. And other people are going to be super awesome and just make your day. And even now, I mean, I'll, I'll get on the phone with someone like, oh my gosh, what a cool idea. That's so awesome. You're doing it. And I'm like, you just made my day. Like yeah. that is so awesome. But there have been, you know, just as many examples of people being rude and short or, you know, just screaming at me and that and that's part of having your own business it's not it's not cushy and comfortable or anything like that it definitely stretches you as a to go outside of your comfort zone but the reward is huge for for the amount of effort that you put into it so I hope that answered your question (laughs) yeah definitely Um, definitely I so I think that kind of being able to like what would be the avenues that you feel like you have been able to find your community of support within the industry? Well, okay. So first of all, it, first of all is, is starting at your own barn and saying, you know, Hey, I've got this idea and, or, Hey, I, I'm thinking about doing a clinic. I want to bring in this person, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be a business. Yeah. Um, but starting with the people that you see regularly um, and just talking to them like they're real people too. I think that slowly when, when you start to share your vision for what you're trying to accomplish, people help you along the way. Um, I like my favorite book is the alchemist and I try and listen to it like once a year because it's like, if you're on the right path, the universe will conspire to help you do what you want to do. And it's the same thing with, if you're, you have an idea for an equestrian business or you, you know, like I said, you want to host someone for a clinic. If you just share it with one person, they might say, Oh, you should talk to so-and-so. I'll introduce you. Oh, you need to talk to who? I actually do that service that you need. So it starts very locally and it starts with, with just sharing your grand plan because no idea is stupid. And I know a lot of people, I mean, I've, I struggled with this at Equivalent in the beginning where it's like, is this even a good idea? Like do people want this and you have this self-talk and you're like, am I losing my mind? Is this a good idea? Should I do this? 
And just sharing it is kind of the first step of sharing it is, I think, what kickstarts the whole thing. And then you share it to someone else. You Mm -hmm. share it to your mom. Oh my gosh, I know a horse person over here. You should talk to them. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of like talking to anyone because you have no clue where that's going to lead you or who they know or how it could all work together. So if you just keep on sharing your plan with whoever will listen, you know, don't be all about you, but if you can have the guts to share your idea, then you'll make it work. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just so cool because if you like what we do with the equestrian workshop is that there's like a group of equestrians all together in a room. Like, and I always open with the idea of like, think about all of the connections that we have within this room. Like it probably stretches across a good chunk of the industry. So being able to create a community, it just that having those connections and finding those connections is one of the most powerful and important things of having a business. And so I think with such a small industry, there's a really big opportunity to take advantage of uh, having that community and creating those connections. I mean, even just with you and I, I feel like you have talked to so many brands who I wouldn't have known or they wouldn't have known me, but you've connected us together and have worked together. Um, I sold a horse to someone who ended up riding with you. Like, it's just like such a small world. So I think it's so fun how we have been able to work together. And I, I think that like there has been nothing negative that has come out of it. So it's, it's exciting. And I think hopefully others will feel the same way as far as having that community over competition. Well, and I think too, to your point, uh, we both signed up for the Equestrian Business Woman Summit. Yes, yeah. Right? And that's, that's a step. And and I'm signing up for your workshop. And, and going out there to just see what you, you don't, no one can predict like, oh, you can't like say like, I hope that I get X, Y, and Z out of this. Go in open-minded and mm-hmm. be there to learn to whatever it is you're going to go to a clinic that you're not riding in and just listen because you might find out some great tips for your horse or see someone else with something similar to you right. have. You're going to, as long as you're open and kind of, there's a book called Ego is the Enemy. If you can put your ego to the side and just open up and be a sponge, take what you need and leave what you don't, then I think there's a lot of value in that because to your point, you show up, we both show up to a workshop. I'm going to be at your workshop and, and then I meet someone else who can help me do the next thing that I need to do. Right. And someone needs me and I can help them do the next thing that they need to do. So, um, I think just being open and willing to, to try new things is the biggest piece with growing your community in, in any industry. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time. It was so fun to finally have you on the podcast to hear about you and Equivant and all the fun stuff that we've done together and will continue to do. I'm so excited that I will be able to see you again in real life for the workshop. So exciting. But I love watching how Equivant has evolved and grown and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Bethany. I I so appreciate you having me on and I'm super excited to see you soon. 
All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.